Hello and welcome again to another episode of uh, Fekava Vetchet. Today's episode is all about collegiality. The reason for this is that WSAVA, the World Small Animal Veterinary Association, together with FECAVA, the Federation of European Companion Animal Veterinary Associations, has uh, launched um, a document uh, called the Global Principles for Veterinary Collegiality. And tonight I will be joined by not one, but actually by two past presidents of WSAVA. This is Shane Ryan, who is joining us from Singapore, and Walt Ingvarsson, his predecessor as a president of WSAVA from Toronto, Canada. So welcome to Shane and welcome to Walt. Hi. hi. Thank you, Wolfgang. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me. Time, at the time of this recording, sort of, it's it's uh, in the middle of January, and I'm recording this, or I'm sitting here in Bavaria, and we have just around about sort of zero degrees Celsius. So, come on, Shane, give it to us. What's the temperature in Singapore? At the well, I can probably tell you exactly in a moment, but it will be about right at the moment, 9 p.m. at night, it'll be about 25 degrees Celsius. <laughs> So balmy, pleasant evening, no snow, plenty of rain, monsoon season. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, pleasant weather, lovely. And, and Walt, how is that with you? Sort of, uh, you still have some icicles in your beard, I think. Well, you know what? This morning, walking the dogs was wonderful. It was a sunny, very cold morning with the crunch of the snow under feet and the dogs loving the rolling in the snow. I'd love to see Shane roll in the snow, but I'm not sure that will ever happen. <laughs> that will be a once event because I'll, I'll never get out of it again. It's actually 26 now. I've just checked on my my um, my app. Uh, I always always and... find it sort of amazing when I uh, when I went to the uh, to to uh, the WSAVA Congress in Singapore and you meet people from Australia or New Zealand or uh, from from Malaysia or from Singapore and they tell you this sort of I've never experienced snow. I don't know how snow feels like. Also, and I said, what? <laughs> is, it, is it for real? So, but, but obviously my ignorant view as a Northern European, so that, that people, but, but yes, there are a lot of people who have never held proper snow in their hands or have experienced mm -hmm. when, when, when snowing. Mm -hmm. So that there's no rain, but, but sort of suddenly sort of little pieces of snow, of ice sort of come off, off, off the sky, how bizarre it feels to them. Mm. Well, listen, so, when the uh, yes, weather, and, uh... it, where the travel ban is beyond us and the pandemic is behind us, come on to Canada in the winter and you'll experience <laughs> a true winter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some years ago, I was in Toronto oh, in the winter. And I mean, <laughs> sort of, it's a dry cold, but man, this is this is proper cold. Uh, I mean, sort of minus ten, minus fifteen, no problem you know, for you guys. Mm. So it must if it's a dry cold, and you also, I guess, inside a lot with heating. It must be quite bad for drying out your respiratory tract and all that sort of thing as well. I guess do you get many problems with uh, respiratory infections and whatnot in that time of year, Walt? It's or obviously even where you are. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Walt, do you want to? talk about that i don't know sort of yeah i mean i think 
there's, there's no question we're stuck indoors and therefore the weather or the actual humidity of the house is rather important. We try and keep it there. But at the same point, it's been rather unique with the pandemic and the restriction in travel. Common colds are down, way down, um, uh, as are in our direction, other conditions. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's kind of an odd offshoot or potential I would do it, I dare say, beneficial aspect of the pandemic that common ailments um, have seemed to have forgotten us this year, or at least have not afflicted us as they have in years gone by. But believe me, um, Shane, while we enjoy the winter and, and the indoors often becomes social time around a fireplace, we do enjoy the summer as well. The thing is we have the benefit of both. Yeah, yeah, proper seasons. Yeah. Well, well, I remember we one when to... we had the Congress in, in Toronto, um, which we had where this collegiality document originally was born, uh, the idea of it, where it was during the summer there. And that was a lovely time of year in Toronto. And, I, and it wasn't too hot. It was very pleasant. I found the lakes a bit cold, though. I don't think I'd be going swimming to that too often. I don't, I don't, do you go, go swimming in the winter? Or that's a bit too much? That's a step too far. <laughs> you have to hack not... a hole in the eyes, you know? I am not a member of the Polar Bear Club, although that's a fairly common phenomenon here on New Year's Day. A number of people gather at the shore of the Great Lakes and they go for a quick dip. I watch from the comfort of my home in front of the fire and looking at it all on TV. <laughs> well, um, Shane was talking about the um, WSAVA Congress in Toronto in 2019, where we uh, all met. We uh, and, and and that sort of goes to the um, the origin of this document we were talking about, the global principles for veterinary collegiality. Uh, that stems from the VIP summit that was held at the WSAVA uh, Congress, where we found that it might be a good idea to establish this basic rules to, to, to tell colleagues what um, embodies uh, being a good colleague. What do you have to do to be a good colleague and how important or that the importance of good collegiality in the veterinary team. Um, Walt, can you, can you uh, just tell us this VIP summit, um, what's the history of this meeting and uh, uh, what's the, the background of this meeting? Yeah, um, we're very, very pleased and proud to be able to host that meeting. It happens in person when we have our uh, annual Congress. And the annual Congress is a gathering of the world's veterinary community, um, companion animal veterinary community. And I think at that time, we looked at that gathering and saw that we had representation not only from member associations, but quite a number of regionally um, important associations, FACAVA, FASAVA, FIAVAC, FAVAC, I mean, a number of other groups joined. And we thought, what a perfect opportunity to bring these individuals together. And the purpose of that was um, multiple, principally to improve upon our networking within that global community, but also recognizing that as a global community, while there are nuances to veterinary medicine in different parts of the world, um, there are a number of common issues that occur uh, that we're all trying to work on and resolve. So a better understanding of what was happening in various regional parts of the world, but more importantly, to look upon work done 
build on that work done collaboratively, but also to look at issues of common concerns that we could then tackle as a group collaboratively, ultimately with the goal of unifying that global voice and having one voice. It's been very successful, both with regards to all of the, the goals that I've just um, laid out, but it, it has generated a number of global position statements, many of them very much focused on the access and availability of to veterinary therapeutics, but also this document. Um, and I'm really pleased to be here with you today, Wolfgang, and talking about this achievement. And I mean, the beauty I think is it, this is not just WSAVA, it's a combination, it's a cooperation between FICAVA and WSAVA, which is just also so much in line uh, or, or, or leading up to our joint online Congress in uh, March of this year. Exactly. Again, collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. Yes, yeah. And, and I mean, that is also, I mean, what. In, in your own opinion, what, why is collegiality, why is communication among peers really so important and why, why is there the need for this document? I mean, what's, what's your take on this? Well, you know, in one respect, my take is it's sad that we need the document, but the reality is we all can take uh, a moment and be reminded that we're all veterinarians. We all generated uh, or all graduated from a school that taught us not only the skills of our trade or our profession, but also collectively we worked together as a class to achieve that. Um, when we graduated, we all took the same oath. And um, that's nicely enunciated in the WSAVA Global Veterinary Oath. And in that there are key elements that focus on the central part of what we do being the animals that we treat, but also the commitment not only to the animals, but to ourselves with lifelong learning and to ongoing and always defining our interactions as good ethical behavior. And I think that's where the document really shines because it enunciates some very, very key points. Communication, mutual respect, um, giving each other the benefit of the doubt and looking to supporting one another. And to me, I think that's critical because when we are on this journey as veterinarians, whether we're in a practice in North America or Singapore or Bavaria, we all face the same things day in and day out. And we need to support one another in that effort because if we support one another, the greater good is always the outcome. I mean, I have to say, when when I was uh, at the uh, the conference in in Singapore, I had the pleasure of meeting up with some colleagues from uh, uh, from Malaysia, and, uh, uh, and that's the beauty of these international conferences. So you 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 don't just go to the scientific program; you sit together with these colleagues and and, and you have a drink together, and then you you, you start talking. And I mean. It, uh, it, they told me something about their working conditions, the pressure they were under, the hours they were working, and then often sort of very strict hierarchic systems uh, were um, 
uh, where sometimes uh, uh, mental health issues were ignored or personal issues were ignored, where they felt, especially young colleagues, where they felt under a lot of pressure and just didn't seem to get the necessary support through uh, their national organizations or where they just didn't have any documents they could put in front of their employer and say, hey, come on, these are the rules we, I think, should all follow. And I feel this is not the case here. And uh, uh, I I wouldn't have realized sort of how, how, how yeah, how big the pressure is some of our colleagues are under um, uh, if I wouldn't have gone to these international meetings. I saw similar things in uh, with my sort of some of my colleagues in Germany. I saw similar things in Eastern Europe. I saw even in the UK, I saw things. Nevertheless, I felt if there is, if there are some documents around that really say here, this is the way you should behave and this is a way to be a good colleague and this is something you should do and this is something you should really not do. To give you an example, say sort of, I don't know, uh, 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 ridiculing a colleague or, or putting down a colleague in front of the team. This is a typical example of poor collegiality. Having said that, it's practiced again and again every day in a lot of veterinary teams. And that is thing, something I think it should be a thing of the past. If, uh, if we want to work in a, in a good team, it's so important that what you said, uh, uh, Walt, that mutual respect. And that means also if there's somebody in the team who might maybe, in your opinion, not have the knowledge, fine. Okay, then have a look what can be done to improve this knowledge. But to, uh, uh, to make a public display of putting this person, this colleague down in front of the team is just not productive. It's not helpful. Well, it's interesting you bring that up, um, uh, Wolfgang. I had the pleasure of being involved in a collaborative effort um, between the College of Veterinarians of Ontario, the Ontario Veterinary College, and the Ontario Veterinary Medical Association. And they brought together a group of individuals to host a symposium looking at the future of veterinary medicine, not just in Ontario here in Canada, but Canada abroad, and probably of relevance um, beyond our borders. And they identified 10 trends. Top of that trend was reputation management. And the profession feels profoundly stressed and concerned about its reputation. And there are two articles I recently read, both published in Vet Science. Um, one was quite positive. It looked at our uh, perceived profession in comparison to our colleagues in the human medical field, mm -hmm. we still rank quite high as being kind, empathetic, approachable, um, good understanders, good explainers in comparison to our human colleagues. But the other article looked at about 2 million posts on social media and the dilemma and the impact that that has on not only practices, but individual colleagues has a profound effect. And fortunately, many of those posts remain positive, but a number of them are now becoming fairly critical because it's now the forum of public, public opinion. Mm -hmm. 
and there's very little to no recourse. And so we as a profession, we need to support one another. We need to hold one another up. We need to band together and re-emphasize our profession and it's not only value to society, but it's ultimate focus on the human animal bond and the pets that we treat on a day in and day out basis. And interestingly, that was the one thing that this um, article on um, social media posts on veterinary medicine brought up is that a lot of it focused on individual pet owner experiences, very little focused on what the veterinary profession is in the bigger context. So again, collegiality, mutual respect, don't point fingers, recognize that we all make mistakes. We learn from them and we can share that experience to all become better veterinarians at the end of the day. I think another trap which is very easy to fall into is, uh, I mean, we, we all have seen uh, uh, clients that have been uh, dissatisfied with colleagues. Then to, and, 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 and the first thing they come in is actually not about the animal, but it is first sort of uh, complaining about um, uh, um, a colleague. And the, the big trap to fall into is just giving this sucker. To, that's to, 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 to fall into, to, to entertain uh, uh, this criticism. I sort of, I never did that. And this is something that sort of is right away blocked, but I think we have to be, it's so easy to say, oh yes, yeah, well, uh, I've heard he's not so good with that or she can't do this or something like that. This is just not good collegiality. If you have an issue, about the, the, the performance of, our, of a neighboring colleague, then have a word maybe with that individual colleague and raise the issue, but certainly not in front of, a, uh, of the owner of a patient. This is not helping anyone. It's not making giving you a good standing among your peers, but it's also, I think, not a good, uh, uh, um, a good way to portray the profession in front of a, uh, um, a, a pet owner, I think. No, I mean, I think you said it perfectly, Wolfgang, because every time we take a, a public stance that's against a colleague, it reflects on the profession as a whole in a negative way. And so, you know what, there but for the grace of God go I, let's give us all a benefit of the doubt, let's pick up the phone, let's have that conversation in private. And I think that's the starting and first step yeah, and I think, Wolfgang, one of the things you referred to earlier is coming to Singapore and meeting people from other uh, professions, uh, sorry, other associations in different regions yeah. of, the, uh, of the world. But sometimes that's an opportunity, certainly, to, to find about what's happening in other, other countries. But sometimes we're not really sure what's even happening in our own backyard, what's happening with our colleagues nearby. And the whole purpose of collegiality, of course, is to build or to have a community of peers, colleagues by definition are part of our profession. We have a common purpose, uh, which is the health and welfare of animals here. And I think, and I've noticed this in Singapore even, as the profession has grown so much, the, the awareness and the knowledge of the individual veterinarians of each other has decreased. So one thing collegiality, I think, and something like this document hopefully will promote, and it's written in that document, is for us to try to expand our knowledge of our scientific uh, background certainly but also to meet 
and interact more with our uh, fellow veterinarians so that we know who they are. That would then give us the opportunity to pick up a phone and be able to ring them and say, listen, we have a problem with Mrs. Smith's client here or Mrs. Smith and her pet, and we can deal with it privately rather than having to deal with it in a public forum as Walt alluded to. Something else I think it's very important when we talk about collegiality is a passing on of knowledge. I mean, we do that with our congresses. We try to make everybody a better veterinarian with uh, the, the CPD we are providing with the communication we are providing both through FECAVA and also through WSAVA. But it's also, I think, especially we, I mean, we, we, we are all now senior members of, uh, of our profession. We have, a few, we, we have been working now for a few years. But what I find so important is, especially when we have junior members of the team to pass freely pass on and proactively pass on our knowledge. This is just so, so important. I mean, I had the, the great luck of, of, of being able to work in the UK and I still remember. So when, when I came over from Germany, I was still a little bit iffy when it came to bitch space. And I, I recall this lovely Australian local that we had and uh, she was uh, uh, doing some bitch space and, and I, I said to her here, I'm not 100% safe with this operation. Would you mind if we do one or two together? And uh, I operated on this dog together with her. And the, 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 the nice thing was this was not somebody who had um, uh, 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 triple degrees in soft tissue uh, surgery and was a soft tissue specialist. No, no, no. That was somebody who was probably three, four years younger than I was. The Australians, they, they, they don't have any national service and, and, and they like to qualify and then to travel also. And that was what she was doing. And she said, oh, yeah, all right, yeah, no problem. We do it together. And then we just went through it step by step. I never looked back at this operation because we took ourselves the time. This was not so that I had to, I uh, that I had to perform greatly sort of in front of her with this operation. She knew that I was a little bit iffy with it, and just so uh, I, I, it was a very relaxing way to learn this and to 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 to, to improve on this just so important operation. And I feel that. Uh, that's the same thing when I now have students that it's not only sort of waiting for them to um, uh, uh, to say, uh, sorry, can you help me with this or that? No, 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 no. We are supposed to go to them and say, here, um, I'm doing a bitch spay in a moment. How comfortable are you with that operation? I'm doing a thyroidectomy. I'm doing an amputation or, or, or whatever operation it is sort of find out how is their, 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 their skill level, might they be interested and that don't just wait for them. I mean, I had some bad examples sort of in there, uh, which thankfully I didn't never, never witness myself, but I heard from other colleagues where operations were done behind locked doors in clinics, sort of just in order to make sure that the principal of the clinic retained a certain set of knowledge which he or she didn't want to pass on to colleagues just in case they could set up in competition to them later. This is, this <laughs> is bad, but unfortunately it still happens. That's very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I had, uh, you bring up a great point, and I think yeah. the point is the sharing, the collaboration, the lifelong learning that builds upon um, not only us, but our colleagues and the profession as a whole. Interestingly, I had the, the, the pleasure of um, uh, emceeing a panel discussion this is going back a, a several years, but it was at the Ontario Veterinary College and they brought together the soon to graduate class, soon to be colleagues of ours and prospective employers. And they had a panel discussion. And it was interesting because the prospective employers that were there were under the impression the most important thing for the graduating class was the amount of income they would generate, the amount of time on call and a variety of other work-related factors. Whereas the graduating class, the number one thing they were looking for in their first, if not um, any future job was mentorship. They really wanted to ensure that they started off on the right foot and the practice that they found themselves in committed to that sharing of information. For the first part, some hand-holding, um, but definitely nurturing that first introduction to the, to, to the profession. So it's a good point. And I think they both might have achieved their aims by following their expectations because good collegiality makes also good business sense. Because if you communicate well with your colleagues, if you improve the knowledge level of the colleagues in your team, then at the end of the day, case outcome will be better. Clients will be happier. And it is also so that because of that, um, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the um, yeah, business- I agree with Gang. A more harmonious environment is a much more productive environment. And people are more likely to be able to actually do the work that they're supposed to do without getting overly stressed out. So you have all the other benefits of not having undue professional wellness stresses on, especially your younger veterinarians coming through. So yeah, to try to make it as friendly and as and collegial is a word that maybe sometimes sounds a little bit too serious. I mean, if you make, say, make it friendly, if you make it a friendly environment, you make it an environment that is welcoming. Uh, to everybody, and that includes not just your veterinarians, but your veterinary team members, but also your clients, mm. then it's a very happy place for people to come. And even the animals pick up on this, I think. They say, oh, this is a nice place. You know, everybody here seems to be relaxed and calm and there's no people yelling. And the whole system works a lot, lot more smoothly. Yeah, it's also nicer for you to work. We worked on this on this document uh, for over a year. You might recall that sort of I was sort of sitting in a little cottage in Sweden, sort of, uh, and uh, then communicating first with you, Walt, and then later with you, Shane, uh, on this document. And uh, we obviously we had some delays with it, partially because of COVID, partially because of moving our Congress. Uh, uh, now from September of last year to, to March of this year. But I think at the end of the day, sort of we have come up with a nice, concise and sort of solid and very practical document. I think that- And I also think that this document fits in a little niche that's not really covered by a code of practice 
or a code of ethics. And it's more to do with how people deal with each other uh, in their professional life. Whereas ethics has got all sorts of other things involved with how you deal with legislative requirements about not doing things illegally or, or you know, doing maybe cosmetic surgeries, whatever the code of ethics is that applies to you. Whereas a code of practice tends to only apply to people who are practitioners. Whereas this can apply to any veterinarian anywhere, no matter what they do, whether they're a companion animal veterinarian or a large animal veterinarian, industry, academia, doesn't really matter. In fact, reality, it can apply to any profession whatsoever. So I think it's got a broad scope um, and I think it's got potential there for people to say, as you said earlier on, to take to their employer or take to their veterinary association to say, I think these are the things that we should make sure that we follow here in our particular veterinary community, wherever that may be. I mean, that... I want to give you a, a big thank you, Wolfgang, because I do remember sitting around the table uh, as the VIP summit in Toronto was coming to an end, and we were just sharing thoughts and ideas, looking at areas of collaboration. You brought this up as a topic. Um, you took the lead and you shepherded this through. So thank you for, uh, for all your efforts in making this document a reality. Mm. Um, if I could make a plug, um, <laughs> I, I would suggest that personal experience would suggest to me that one of the greatest opportunities that presented itself to me that I would like to see other veterinarians in our profession um, um, uh, pursuing is involvement in a veterinary medical association. Yeah. So for me, it comes back to what Shane said earlier, um, and that is that from a collegiality and a professional um, growth point of view, nothing works better than social interaction amongst our colleagues. And with more and more education happening virtually, the opportunity for direct interaction, granted the pandemic has upset that and hopefully that will pass, but direct interaction is important. And for me personally, um, getting involved in volunteer veterinary medicine um, provided me with a greater and broader perspective. It helped me grow as a veterinarian, but it also helped me understand my colleagues better. So. I would suggest that probably from a professional growth point of view, that's one of the things that I would encourage every veterinarian to look at. Volunteer in a local veterinary association at some point. I think it's a great first step in broadening your horizons. Absolutely, absolutely. Looking at the future of the, uh, the global principles, what we are planning now, um, uh, we are looking into translating this document. Um, and uh, we also um, have planned uh, to produce an infographic to uh, be used, as you said, sort of in staff rooms uh, all over the world in different languages to give a sign or to, to make it quite clear and simple, sort of what are you supposed to do or what can you do just to improve the environment among ourselves and also to, to just be a better colleague. And, and by being a better colleague, I'm pretty sure you will also be a better veterinarian actually. Good point. So this yep. is supposed to happen, hopefully sort of in time for our joint WSAVA FICAVA Congress, which will take part in, uh, will take place on the 21st to the 24th of March of this year. So I'm already looking forward to see you guys again for this. And uh, I'm also quite excited about the program. 
and I think whoever is seeing this uh, uh, video or who is listening to the podcast should really consider if they have not done so already to subscribe to this event and uh, mental health um, and well-being will also be a subject in the FECAVA symposium both uh, on well-being for our patients as well as for our colleagues but there's also just so much more uh, to look forward to with our joint congress um, again, I would like to say thank you very much, Shane Ryan. Thank you very much, Walt Ingwersen, for joining me for this edition of Fekava Vet Chat. If anyone of our listeners or viewers has some opinions on this or would like to comment, then please do so by sending us an email on vetchat at fekava.org or contact us via our social media outlets so on facebook website also i hope to see you again next week for another episode of the cover vet chat thank you